New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Today, I'm hosting Margaret Rinkle, a contributing opinion writer for the New York Times and author of The Comfort of Crows, A Backyard Year. I'm speaking with Margaret at her home by remote connection. Welcome, Margaret, to the New Dimensions Cafe. Hi, Justine. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. You know, Your book has brought up so many memories of my own encounters with my wild neighbors in my own backyard. And, you know, we often get lost in our scrolling through emails or going down the Google rabbit hole of the Internet or watching the nightly news. So you suggest stepping out of our small world of computer and TV screens and step into that larger world. You suggest we may not even have to get in our car and drive to some pristine place, but you suggest that the natural world is everywhere. So help us see this natural world through your eyes. What's that like to step out of your back door? Do you mean my actual back door or my metaphorical back door? Well, both end. <laughs> <laughs> I think metaphorically, the backyard and the front yard and the side yard, all the yards, the nearby nature that we live within, the ecosystems that we are a part of, those that nature is just as much nature as the black bear in the Smokies. It's just as much nature as the rattlesnake sunning on the rock uh, above the cove in the Cumberland Plateau. It's hard to remember that because everybody sees squirrels, everybody hears birds. We know that crickets are going to start singing in the summer. We know these things and they are just, they form the background of our lives. And so we think they don't, aren't, aren't worthy of our interest or our scrutiny. And so paying attention is a way of linking ourselves to the natural world, the smaller one and the great big one too. My own yard is sort of a mess. It's, um, I leave as much of it wild as I can. When my sons were small, We kept the yard mowed short because they played kickball. Our yard was the only one flat enough in the neighborhood for a good kickball game. And it took years after they grew up for the paths between the baselines, the baselines to to grow over finally. But I don't need that anymore. So we keep the parts of the yard mowed that we use and we let the rest go wild. Um, And it, it does sometimes look messy, but it also is beautiful because when you let a yard revert to nature, the birds are going to bring wildflower seeds and the animals are going to bring wildflower seeds and nuts. And eventually it becomes 
a meadow. It becomes a beautiful thing, not a mess at all. That's so great. You know, I'm reminded in your writing, as I went through it, you bring to us the smells or a sense of touch or, of course, what I'm looking at. You you just kind of widened, opened up my senses. There's one moment that you talk about, like, reaching down and pulling out a clump of something. It's after a rain, so it's kind of, you know, moist and everything. You pick it up and you smell the roots and the dirt, the soil hanging onto the roots. You have said that there is something in the enzymes of that root system that actually triggers serotonin in our own bodies. That's not my theory. That's been documented that there is a something in soil, turned soil, that triggers serotonin production in the same way that an antidepressant does. We tend to think of ourselves as somehow separate from the natural world, but we evolved for our ecosystems in all the same ways that our wild neighbors did. We aren't separate. We have made ourselves separate. We've closed ourselves up in in sealed boxes and we've turned on the air conditioner or the heating and we've put on shoes and clothes, but we are still as we can be, we can access that much more primitive side of ourselves in gardening or in hiking, any kind of experience of the outdoors. And that experience, I think, feels so good to us because it's where we belong. We do separate ourselves like I'm sitting in this room with right angles coming together and you know, there is a window there that I can look out and I do see a tree and I'm nurturing a maidenhair fern right here in my office. That's my companion. So you're helping us to step out of that confine and to notice the small things. You wrote something about, which I love the description of some sort of bee and how it goes to sleep in a flower. I'd love for you to describe that to us. I was delighted by it. (laughs) Well, you can see bees sleeping, various kinds of bees and various kinds of flowers. You may be talking about the bumblebees that crawl into the balsam. The balsam flower makes a little bell, and many times the bumblebees will sleep in there. They'll crawl inside, and just their little fuzzy butts are sticking out. Um, to sleep, to be protected. And one morning I got up early and the bees can't fly unless it's a certain temperature. And so they were still sleeping and I, it was so early, it was still cool. And I brushed inadvertently a balsam flower and the bee backed out of the balsam flower and reared back and waved its little antennae at me and buzzed. It was clearly cussing me out. Or bothering it when it was sleeping, but there's also um, in in the book there's a there's a description of passion flowers, which are large, beautiful flowers, but they're 
pollen apparatus is so far apart that it takes a very large pollinator to create passion fruit. And the bee that is, that is up to the job is a carpenter bee. And I have seen carpenter bees so completely drunk off passion flower that they hang upside down and just hang there and sleep. <laughs> oh my gosh. How wonderful to watch these small creatures. I think you also describe some grasshopper that can't turn its head. No grasshopper can turn its head. Grasshoppers don't have neck. Oh, okay. One that's endangered. Do you recall which well, one? I don't know if it's endangered. I don't actually know. It's called an obscure bird grasshopper. And um, it really is. It's it's a good two and a half inch grasshopper. And I don't know if it's endangered, but we don't have them here very often. And one of them flew into the pollinator bed while I was weeding. And um, and another time landed on the street right right before my husband was about to step on it in the dark. So we do have these visitations from time to time from unusual creatures that I wouldn't expect to see here in the first ring suburbs in Nashville, Tennessee. But that's what you do is you remind us to to be vigilant in some ways because there's so much to see. I mean, I, I can remember being on um 40th floor of some high-rise office building one time. But what I remember about that is I looked out of the window and there, 40 stories up high, was the most gorgeous spider web, you know, yeah. up there. And there's a wild wildness right there outside that window. I, I love seeing that for some reason. It made me really happy, too. And I remember someone who we did a workshop, he he said that what he did in New York was that he took some vinyl and he spread it on his living room floor in front of the window. And he went to the store and bought some sod. And he put, <laughs> he put sod on top, grass on top. And he would walk on the grass and he would take like little tiny clippers and clip the grass and smell the new clipped grass. And he, he so he brought that to himself in, in his own apartment. Well, I think that is one thing we forget often. We think there are things that we should do. It, it would benefit um, the planet or it would benefit our children or it would in some way improve the situation or the world. And we forget that that's one reason to pay attention, but it's also just fun to pay attention. It makes us feel better. I don't know if you remember this, but so many people took up bird watching during the lockdowns, the spring of 2020, that there was a shortage of bird seed. You couldn't get bird seed because so many people they're finally locked at home. We think of screens as our entertainment at the end of a workday. But if you've been working on a screen, which so many people were, you don't want a screen again later. When you take a break, you want a break from the screen. And, and people learned that there's just an immense amount of pleasure to be had from observing what our wild neighbors are up to or from smelling the soil. And I'm reminded during that time, during that lockdown, when people were really sheltering in place and 
and there was very little traffic going on. There weren't a lot of cars and and those cameras that people have for surveillance. You know, they recorded all of this wildlife and they came out. Coyotes just like walking down an eight lane road in the middle of the day. And yeah, I remember that. Oh, it was so exciting. Or or once in a while, you'd see a mountain lion. And there you uh, would, you wouldn't hear, but yeah, we are here, here, you know. <laughs> yeah. And I remember uh, on our property one time seeing, uh, walking after rain, seeing some footprints in the mud. And I thought, oh, who has a dog around here? Because we didn't have dogs there. And, and then I looked again, I thought, and some part of me, there was like this instinctual animal part of me looked and I knew immediately, and I'm no trained tracker or anything like that. I knew immediately, oh, this print is way too deep. It's a heavy animal. Oh, this is a mountain lion. And I could feel the hairs on the back of my neck standing up. Oh, danger. You know, it was very interesting to feel that and, and exciting. We have this idea that we should be afraid in the presence of something magnificent like that. But but it it's important to remember that something can be dangerous and not be a threat. A rattlesnake does not want to bite you. A rattlesnake wants to get away or wants you to go away. It's dangerous if you step on it, but if you don't step on it, you'll never even know it's there. Right. Right, exactly. We had a story here in Nashville on the local news that that just had everybody talking for a couple of days a few years ago. A visitor walked into a bathroom in the convention center right in the heart of downtown Nashville, huge tourist part of town, and there was a coyote sitting in the corner of the bathroom. (laughs) That, you know, everybody was like, how'd that coyote get in here? And that is a question. How did it get through all that maze of uh, corridors and and all, but really, the amazing thing is how many coyotes are among us that we never see. Right, exactly. They're learning to coexist in our overdeveloped world. Well, some animals are able to adapt. Oh, Margaret, we could go on and on. I just love being with you. I love your stories, and I love what you brought to us in this particular book, The Comfort of Crows, and in all your other books your migration book and your book about Graceland. And thank you so much for being part of the New Dimensions Cafe today. I've been speaking with Margaret Renkel, and she's a contributing opinion writer for the New York Times and author of The Comfort of Crows, A Backyard Year. And to find out more about her work, you can go to her website, margaretrenkel.com. And she spells her last name R-E-N-K-L. That's MargaretRinkle.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org, where you'll find over 1,800 programs in its archive. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. I want to thank you for joining us at the New Dimensions Cafe. And I ask you, please do join us again. You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a thousand hours of programs, 
to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support.